This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Before we take a look back at what the Seahawks did over the Giants, taking a look at some Seahawks news this morning. Congratulations to three Seahawks players. Ken Walker, Offensive Rookie of the Month, Tariq Wollin, Defensive Rookie of the Month, and Geno Smith with NFC Offensive Player of the Month. A near sweep, right? You just get that Defensive Player of the Month in there, and you've got it. Yeah. But take three of four a pretty nice performance i mean um let's just quickly very quickly give, the, give these guys their roses before we talk about this game and why men i'll start and i'll let you pick who you want to talk about because you've got three good choices yeah i gotta go with gino and I, I just think yeah every once in a while you get a rookie and it's always a shock to me when we were talking a few months ago about who's going to make the playoffs first the mariners or the seahawks michael bumpus used my own words against me and said too many rookies, <laughs> so it wouldn't be the Seahawks. And uh, I said it was going to be the Seahawks. And uh, the Mariners proved us wrong, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, I think Gino is the biggest surprise. Uh, because, like I said, the rookies are always surprising, but Gino, just the efficiency. And it's not even, like, it's not his stats. It's watching him during a game and his command of the offense and what he's doing. He's throwing the ball differently, I think, and um, just making great decisions. All right. So offensive player of the month for Gino. Uh, Bomb, tell us a bit. Wyman talked about Gino. Tell us a bit about what we're seeing from Ken and Tariq here. Um, Ken, we're seeing a young man who is the shiftiest running back in the league. I, I challenge Stacy to find someone who's shiftier. I'm going to challenge you too, Dave. I couldn't. I'm thinking of all the running backs and all the people who carry the football, the ball carriers. I go, there's no one who moves the way that Ken Walker moves. I'm not saying he's the best running back in the league or the best ball carrier, but that's something that he does, I think, better than anybody. And then with Tariq Woolen, he's just a raw athlete. He's long. He's fast. He's understanding the position. I think last week he took a couple risks that he shouldn't have taken, which resulted in a big play. I think there was a tight end going across the middle. He goes for the punch out instead of the tackle. Mm -hmm. But those are the type of things that he's going to learn and get better at. And even with those mistakes, he still has four interceptions and wins um, Rookie Defensive Player of the Month. So he's a guy who is developing every week, who's getting confidence every week, and uh, it's all about just being consistent and picking things to work on. I was talking to my son driving to practice. And I go, what are you working on today? He goes, what do you mean? I go, you go to practice, you got to figure, like, I need two or three mm -hmm. things I need to work on so there's intent when you practice. You're not just going through the motions. I think that's what Tariq has to do. And he might be doing it already, but those are the things he needs to do to keep getting better. All right. Well, let's get to what happened this past weekend. The Seahawks beat the Giants 27-13, held the Giants to under 80 rushing yards. That's my first takeaway from this one. Second takeaway was Tyler Lockett's game bump. I'll start with you for talking about Tyler Lockett. Um, earlier this week, you said he had the heart of a champion. What did you see from him in this one? Because it was an up and down day. He had a football hit him in the face, wide open touchdown. Then he gets thrown to the ground and he fumbles. There are a lot of people who will go to the sideline and duck their heads, which he did and let that affect the rest of their game. And that's not what I saw from Tyler Lockett. You have to feel the emotions, right? You're not, you're not supposed to make those mistakes and act like it doesn't mean anything to you. But we saw him bounce back. We saw him get a, a fourth down reception. We saw him a big reception on Geno's 5-for-5 drive. Then he also finished it off with a 33-yard touchdown. Like he still was able to make the plays that we expect him to make after doing something he hasn't done. I think he has one drop pass his whole career. And... For him to experience that moment and bounce back, obviously he's a professional. We expect him to do it. But you still got to go through it and do it. So that was impressive to me. You know, you said one, that one, you mean? Yeah. I remember another one. It was in 2020. It was at Miami. 
And that's the last time I remember, mm-hmm. which I, I hate to correct you, Bump, because now it means he has two drops in his whole career. <laughs> that's so, disrespectful. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to pile on or whatever. But, uh, no, the reason why I bring it up is just because you remember it when he drops a pass, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it was uh, during the pandemic year. And, yeah, you just, he just doesn't do that. Same thing with the fumble and, you know, uh, that he had in Detroit and the one he had on the two-yard line. You just don't. It, it, I felt bad mentioning it, but like I yeah. mention it because it never happens. Right. Cause yeah. you can, it happens so infrequently that you can literally remember the last time it happened. Right. And it's a good point. And it, you saw Pete Carroll consoling him on the sideline. Pete Carroll later said, he told him, Hey, you're the best receiver I've ever seen play. You're going to come out and you're going to get two more. Like it's, it's going to be okay. You saw Geno Smith talking to him. Wyman, what did you make of that interaction between Carroll and Lockett? And also, was there a moment in your playing career where you felt like I messed this up and I need to mentally get back in this uh, every game? <laughs> <laughs> for me, and, and I didn't have Pete Carroll to come over. And, <laughs> you didn't have, you was, did, Chuck Knox didn't come up and pat you on the it, back. It and... was more like, keep it up and you'll be standing next to me. That was, <laughs> that was the advice I got. Uh, no, it was fine. It was just a different time uh, back then, and yeah. there was just different ways to motivate. But, yeah, no, there was always guys that would, uh, you know, that would encourage you and everything. So, and a lot of times it's your teammates, you know, and that's when you know you got a good teammate when it's somebody in the NFL I just had two of my buddies from Stanford back, and we were all such good friends and just such a great mix of, you know, guys that those guys were, you know, it was easy that for them to come over and encourage you and stuff. But when you get in the NFL, everybody's a little bit more yeah. businesslike. And had a couple of uh, couple of people, Bruce Schultz, uh, Keith Butler, you know, that would come over and say, hey, man, you, you know, you just got to let it go and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, um, but, yeah, that's uh, that was cool to see with, with Pete Carroll. I just think Pete's doing an amazing job of coaching. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about on our show about the coach of the year, GM of the year, you know, for, for Schneider. I texted him the other day. I was like, you remember when you picked up Uchenna Nuosu in free agency? That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> He's like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a good. No big deal leading the team in sacks. Yeah, that, that was, was totally a, a great get. I think John and his, his draft, him and Pete together, they work, work together. And then Pete, just the way that he's coaching Gino and the what he did with Tyler and you know with the with the defense and the coaches and everything he's just doing an amazing job other than getting a penalty and wiping out Gino's run that went for 10 yards and would have salted the game away (laughs) I like making fun of Pete just because I think it's funny that he gets kind of a silly penalty like that He's the oldest guy in the league, and yeah. he gets penalized. For something that, like, a yeah. youthful. <laughs> for, for over-celebrating or yeah. running down the, you know. He is youthful. Yeah, I, just, just... I love that. I, and, you know, you saw the look on his face. But I think Pete's just doing an amazing job this yeah. year. Yeah, I think you mean the Mariners were penalized. Be careful there. Don't don't pin that one on Pete. We know that was Scott Service. Did you hear there. that call? Yes, yeah. we heard it in the press box. People were laughing. They were like, wait, what? I know. I was <laughs> on the radio call, and I didn't mean to. I didn't know if my voice was going to come through. Cause yeah. he, and I was good. I go to Ray Did he just? the Mariners and then <laughs> Rabel, Rabel comes back with well Scott Service is not going to be happy <laughs> <laughs> um, another point I have from this one outside of Tyler Lockett's game is that they held the Giants dominant run game number two rushing offense coming into this game to under 80 yards which is the fewest rushing yards all season for New York Wyman I'll start with you what did the defense do so well I mean over the last three weeks but particularly in this one well, they just keep doing the same thing um, and then when you have plays like uh, Bruce Irvin tossing um, you know, Daniel Jones oh, into Saquon great. Barkley. That's like 500 pounds there, right? <laughs> so, um, and, and then 
Jordan Brooks had one where he got in the backfield and just totally overwhelmed Saquon Barkley physically. He didn't go an inch further down. It was a tackle for a loss. So went back and looked at Detroit last night. I looked at Detroit. I looked at New Orleans. We talked to Ray last week. He said he thought the difference was that the offense or defensive linemen were lining up a little bit off the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's right. I went and looked. And the reason why is because they were trying to read blocks. So the ball snaps. You don't know where your gap is. You have to read the guy. And so I think that works sometimes, but for whatever reason, it doesn't work with this defensive line and these linebackers. That's why you'd see Cody and Jordan hitting uh, the guards like three, four yards downfield because they're they're waiting. Mm-hmm. They're kind of they weren't catching, but they were kind of trying to read it. Now you look at what they've done in the last three weeks and went back and looked at San Diego, Arizona, and and the Giants. They're attacking gaps. You know, it's like they they the way I put it is that they know what their gap is before the ball snaps, and that's the way I remember re, you know doing it. But and I think that's that's been the difference. And they're big physical guys. Uh, Puna has got some shake, man. I mean, he can he can get penetration. You've got guys like Monet and Al Woods is just we talked to him this week. He's just the hero of the defense, and mm-hmm. you know he's in there just grabbing guys, throwing. It's like a he's like a, a bouncer at a bar, <laughs> you know, just throwing guys out the door and you know tackling people. And so it's so much better because these guys, Cody's very physical. Jordan Brooks is incredibly physical, and this the way they're running the run defense right now. It suits them. Uh, I was going to say that the play of young guys has been such a big contributing factor, too, to the performance of this defense. So let's talk to two of those guys. Cornerback Michael Jackson is going to join us. Safety Joey Blunt is going to join us back to back. That's coming your way next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We're going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by Michael Jackson, followed by Joey Blunt. So let's keep talking about these young defenders while we're at it. It doesn't have to be these two guys. But I think that one thing you've seen with this defense is not only a turnaround after the first couple of weeks, but young guys contributing and new guys contributing. So I'm yeah. going to include like a new tw- uh, uh, Uchenna Nwosu in here as well, sure. is that you've seen payoff from investments, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agents. Yeah, picking a guy up like Michael Jackson. Exactly. You know, he had a really good preseason. Uh, he just played his way into a job. And it's kind of funny, him and Miles Adams, at the end of every preseason, you know, when you're doing media for the Seahawks and the pregame, like preseason, they're always like, don't talk about this guy. Don't talk about this guy because we're going to, you know, because the reason why is they want to cut him and then, you know, bring him back. But Michael Jackson and Miles Adams both played so well. Finally, I look at Rabel. I'm like, I'm sorry, but we can't not mention these guys. There's no way. Yeah. So, yeah, they uh, some yeah, guys like that that have just uh, and, and I think a lot of it is coaching because coaches, I mean, the definition of being a good coach is bringing out the best in your players and you're getting the best out of these guys. I mean, Uchenna, he didn't really get an opportunity. I mean, he was down there behind yeah. Bosa and uh, Ingram. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, they're, they're getting that chance finally, but I, I do think it's just the way they're being coached. Carl Scott, I had a nice conversation with him down the sidelines and he just is, you know, it wasn't about scheme. It wasn't about the thing he runs. It's, it's about how to get the best out of guys and knowing your guys and knowing, you know, what they're best at and investing in them and all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of people would probably, you know, if there was somebody from Pro Football Focus, they'd probably there, you know, be asking them all these technical questions like, are you running the gap, gap and a half? What about your shell coverage? <laughs> you don't want to talk about any of that stuff. It's more about like, you know, what you, what you get out of your players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's what's what's going on right now. 
Um, you, we aren't going to talk about uh, Joey Blunt. We're going to talk with him after Michael Jackson. But you've mentioned seeing some stuff you really like from Joey Blunt, not just occasionally on defense, but on special teams as well. Especially on special teams. I mean, he's one of the first guys down there. He's delivered several just big hits that get the crowd going. Uh, and that's how you make the team. I mean, if you're an undrafted free agent, you have to contribute on special teams right away. And that's exactly what he's done. And he's he's done it with some confidence, man. We talked to Ryan Neal, and Ryan Neal pointed him out without even asking about Joey Blunt. He just goes, look out for number 35. Like, he is going to be out there making plays, plays with energy. He's a University of Virginia guy, so our guy, Big Ray, you know, got some love for him. And uh, I just love stories like that, stories like him and Miles Adams, guys who uh, – you know, grinding their way onto this roster. Um, Miles Adams has been a big part of that. We talked about him uh, last week or to him last week, actually. Um, you mentioned Chen and Nwosu. You talked about some of those young guys. I think that we're still waiting to see some other guys come on here. One of them I'm still waiting to see is Daryl Taylor. It's been good that he's gotten a little bit better. Now he's banged up, so he's not out there. And ironically, they've turned to one of the older guys, Bruce Irvin, bringing him back to help out. But there's still a few guys that could use some room to to continue to grow here. You have a whole nother half of the season to do it. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Stace, because I was just looking at similar players to Joey Blunt. And they have, you know, all the defensive backs. But Quandre Diggs, mm-hmm. Quandre Diggs hasn't had a big game, you know, and he's had a couple of, uh, you know, just like you mentioned with uh, with Daryl Taylor. You know, so I'm kind of waiting for him to come on. And then, you know, a guy who uh, who's coming back to the roster who I really like is Trey Brown. And yeah. Trey Brown I, impressed me so much last year. And, you know, Justin Coleman is another one that, you know, needs to like come on and start making plays like I know he can. And, that, and I just have expectations for those guys because I think they're good players. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure Quandre's not qu- quite having the, the kind of year that he wants. But, yeah, I mean, he's still a good football player. I think the first four or five games, he was too busy cleaning up messes. Mm-hmm. You know, the defense was pretty leaky at that time. And so maybe now that everybody's playing good up front, he doesn't have to. You know, there was a few tackles that he missed where it's like you have to narrow the space down for your free safety. Right. You know, it's just because he's your last line of defense. You can't make him cover an entire half of the field, you know, especially when you've got some scat back or Saquon Barkley type of guy that's going to make you look foolish. And, you know, that's that's kind of, I thought, what, what's happened with him. And I think you might look for Quandre Diggs to start to, to come on. Well, and maybe we see more from those veterans and, uh, and veteran savvy in this game against the Arizona Cardinals bump. Not only is there a challenge of having faced them before, but they're a team that likes to go up-tempo, and importantly, they're a team that's getting DeAndre Hopkins back or got them back prior to facing the Seahawks, but but the Seahawks will face him the first time. Yeah, I mean, that back end is going to be tested, and um, that's why it's so important that the box is clean um, so they apply pressure to Kyler Murray like they did last time they played them. And maybe this is the week that Quandre gets his because, again, you mentioned that he was cleaning a lot of stuff up, and then if everything is tight, now he's allowed to roam and, and anticipate the rows and make plays on the football. So that's what I expect to happen because I feel like Mike Jackson's in a good place. Tree Williams is in a good place. Cody Barton had his best game, I think, last week. Um, Jordan is in a good place. Like this defense looks like they have it under control and they're playing with enough chaos to where that back end is going to be able to take more risks and, and, and try to snatch the ball out the air. Can can DeAndre Hopkins make that big of a difference? Because I've had a lot of people say, well, I got to play the Cardinals, but, you know, last time they beat him, but now they mm-hmm. have DeAndre Hopkins. I see they targeted him like 27 mm-hmm. times in two games, but like I'm still of the. 
mindset that one guy can't beat you. He no, one guy can't beat you. You know that's football, right? You yeah. need everybody, everybody moving. But he'll affect space, right? He's a guy who will stretch a defense out and get somebody open underneath. Or he's a guy that in the red zone, he saw his one-hand catch. He probably should have been throwing that football. There was a safety over the top of the backer underneath him. He was bracketed. But he's a guy where you can just throw the football to him, and he'll make a play. Can he win or lose a game for you? No. But can he affect the game and affect spacing out there? For sure. Stacey, I asked him that because he's a receiver. <laughs> you, you, are you course. surprised that he said another <laughs> receiver totally can dominate. be the biggest difference? He's like, oh, any receiver can change a game. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> getting really excited for it. Uh, it. I am one of those people, uh, Wyman. I am one of those people that looks at this Cardinals team and says they don't have the record they want. They are not the offense they want. But you also just look and you see oh, Kyler Murray leading the team in rushing yards and he can scramble. And God, you know, like there's, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming back here. And, you know, Benjamin's been pretty solid. He's they got he's, a pretty good roster. That's the thing. I mean, it's not the best ever and they haven't been performing like it. And I think yeah. that Cliff Kingsbury holds them back more often than he makes the most use of his weapons but they are just honoring enough they climb back into it against the vikings and had the vikings not had a couple turnovers and had the cardinals not had so slow a start this would have been the opposite outcome for those two teams yeah that's the game though right some teams come out slow some teams come out hot you know with the with the game last week against the giants it was a, it was a battle that first quarter no points are scored you're going back and forth you got six consecutive punts and then it's all about which team finds a way to catch the rhythm and find their stride and identify what the game is going to be and i think that's what the hawks did a great job of doing on that drive where they went for it two times on fourth down they id'd the game and said it's gonna be a physical game and someone has to take a risk right now mm-hmm. so um i mean that's part of it man, is people have to execute the right plays have to be called but it's up to the coaches really to identify how this game is going to be played and how they should attack it. You mentioned Kingsbury, and I have to bring this up again yes. just because it's one of the most outrageous Is it the finishes stats. to the seasons? Well, and I, I was going to say it's too bad we're not playing them twice at the end of the year. Because <laughs> <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. and after the Seahawks beat uh, the, the Cardinals, there was a, I got an email, and it was like some odds thing of the next – head coach to get fired and Kingsbury was the lowest odds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's, what's going to happen with him. You know, you mentioned all their talent, maybe they're not using it to the best of, uh, their ability. So we'll, we'll see. I just, the thing about Kyler Murray, he got a hundred yards rushing against the Seahawks last time. And if you take that out, which you can't, but if you look at what they're doing against the run right now, the Seahawks the last three games are averaging just giving up 91 yards a game. Right. And I saw you had a, a yards per carry that I think put him at third. Uh, the total yards puts him at second. So, yeah, and, and Kyler Murray, he does not want to run inside. I keep, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like, I know they know that, but like, remember KJ made that open field tackle of him in 2020 or 2021 where he, he wants to go outside. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Rasheem Green when he sacked him in the backfield. And Rasheem Green's a big dude. Like, he, he just stayed outside. And eventually, Kyler Murray, he does not want to run it up inside. So hopefully they can contain him. I, th- I feel like they have the kind of linebackers that can do that. Cody and, and Jordan are playing really well right now. But um, yeah, if they, if they can get that but i mean i always think whenever i think of cliff, cliff kingsbury i mm-hmm. think of uh 
of uh, Kyler Murray. All right, well, we are going to speak with some of these young defenders next. Don't go anywhere. He has one of 20 and one of 33 already. There's the snap, and it's Ooh. blocked. I think it's Tariq Wan coming the other way, sprinting down the near sideline. Michael Jackson, they're not going to get him. 40, 30, hand goes up, 10, 5, touchdown, Seahawks. What a play. Woolen blocks it. Jackson picks it up and goes about 80 yards with it for a touchdown. The author of that play, Michael Jackson, joining us now on the huddle. You've had a couple weeks to catch your breath. How was that return touchdown for you? Oh, it was cool. You know, uh, first career touchdown, and it was just a great play by Reek, and I was just in the right place. Yeah. I didn't see if, if you were smiling or anything during that. Does that make you smile to hear that thing <laughs> Yeah, back? Uh, looking back on it, everything happened so fast, it's kind of like just get it and go. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is when you get your hands on the ball in the NFL, if you're a defender, you better – like run away from people or put a good move or else you're going to get clowned. And, yeah, and that happened to right? me in high school, so yeah, <laughs> I know where to go. <laughs> yeah, you did You did great, man. Just ran away from everybody. That did it, I, I'm trying to remember, did it hop? Did you have a good hop or did you have to scoop it? Or uh, No, that's a good hop, so it's funny. Um, and back in high school, we used to do this drill where the coaches just throw the ball randomly okay. and you try to time it up on a good hop. Yeah. So it helped right there. Yeah. My name is Michael as well. Yeah. I got to ask a question. I get asked all the time. I was named after Michael Jackson. Like, my mom had a crush on oh, Michael Jackson. Oh, so your Jackson. name is My Michael. name is Michael, yeah. Oh, that's wild. And I was named after Michael Jackson. Yeah, I got a deaf you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, crazy. I know you, you, get, you get asked a question probably all the time, but I've never heard the answer. Is there nah, – Nah, they just like the name Michael. Yeah, so uh, I was named after my cousin, Michael. Okay. And then – my mom's last name is Jackson. So okay, that's what's up. Happened, yeah. See, right. what's wild also is this Michael being born in 1997 might be also making a difference. Facts. Why are you trying to make me be older? I didn't say your age. I didn't <laughs> no, put you man. out. I didn't put you on blast like good. that. I didn't say you were born in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> do you, well, do you get tired of people making the jokes, though? Like, they'll try oh, to no. throw in the, uh, oh, the smooth criminal or whatever. They try to put a song in there or whatever. No, I, I done heard it my whole life. Okay. So yeah. At this point, I done heard yeah. everything. <laughs> so, I, man, I was watching you during the preseason, and I was rooting for you, man, because it seemed like you were out there every single play, including special teams. I made a joke. I go, man, Mike Jack probably got 90 snaps uh, this yeah. game. And when you were in the preseason grinding, you know, to try to make the roster, was there a moment where you felt good? You're like, man, I did everything I could. I should be on the squad. Oh, just at the end of the Dallas game. Like, I feel like I did everything I wanted to do. Just got better each game. And it got to a point where it was just like, regardless of what happens, like mm -hmm. if I don't make it here because I know it's a business, it's right. a numbers game. I make it somewhere. Yep. And that's a good mentality to have. And that's the mentality that, like, a lot of fans aren't as keenly aware of yeah. that, like, for players, it's a business. This is my employer. This is where I work. And I have to be honest with myself about what could happen at any moment, right? Whether it's injury, whether it's something else. It's incredibly stressful. So how do you, like, loosen up and, and try to stay calm? What do you do in your downtime? Um, Honestly, like, when you've been cut so many times I've been cut, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like. Uh, I got cut my rookie year by Dallas. That was the worst one because it was like, y'all just drafted me yep. three months before. Yeah, fifth and round. Now, yeah, now you're telling me you don't want me. So after that, you kind of understand. You get numb to it. And it's just like you don't let it affect you. You just build on it because everybody have a story, and it's just mine. Yeah, and, and your story is you, you sat – I mean, you were behind a Pro Bowl corner. Every team. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it got to a point where it was just like, Am I going to actually get a shot just not being behind Pro Bowl corners? But 
at the same time, it was kind of like looking back on it. I sat behind J.C. Jackson when he had, I think, nine picks that year mm-hmm. or ten. Right. Gilly when he was coming off of defensive player of the year. Stephon Gilmore, yeah. Uh, and Detroit sat behind Slay. So right. you've learned from superstars. And then, yeah, and so then Dallas was? Uh, Byron Jones. Byron yeah, Jones. And then Coach Rashad, who was here. So yeah. it's kind of like take that for – don't take that for granted. Like appreciate that because – in the games I'm playing now, I'm using all the things I learned from them. Yeah, well, and uh, Chetta kind of in the same uh, category. I don't know if he's talked to you about that, but he was with the Chargers, and they he had Joey Bosa in front of him, yeah. and uh, is it Melvin Ingram? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you take a little bit away from each one of those guys, and, yeah. Uh, you know that that shapes your game. Yeah. What did you? Does. What was like the one thing that stood out the most? Like that you learned from one of those guys that helped you with your career? Uh, it's kind of hard. Like, with J.C., it was just go get the ball. Yeah. Like, even um, – what clip was it? Uh, the preseason game against Pickens, when they threw the fade on the sidelines, yes. I didn't turn and look for the ball. And he was just like, bro, you got to at least look for it. Like, mm-hmm. how can you expect to get the ball if you don't look for it? Yeah. So that with him and then with Gilly, it was just like he's smart. Like, mm-hmm. he would tell you, ball opposite hash – don't expect the out route and some so simple but he was like you can't cover every route like he was like so if i'm opposite hash i'm to the field if he run that out route then that's just the route like i'm basically giving up okay like but i'm being able to cover all the other ones right so yeah man what i, I like about your game is your physical man you, you ain't scared to come up there and hit and that's not what you think about when you think of corners. Mm-hmm. So did you play any other position in high school, and has this always been a part of your game that's coming up and making the tackle? So I always played corner, but I kind of grew up around, like, d line and linebackers. So, like, the guys I work out with uh, growing up, all that I'm, like, 6'4", 250. Yeah. So, like, I'm that little scrawny kid, and it's like, bro, you got to be physical because if we're doing, like, a hands drill – and they shocking the bat. Like, I'm feeling that. <laughs> so it's kind of like you got to try to, like, get some get back on them. So yeah. in my mind, it's kind of like once I step on the field, like, you can't have fear. Like, no matter how big they is, like, just run full speed and just see what happens. Well, you got to think about it on the opposing side, too, because this week you got DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. You and Tariq Woolen have your hands full. Yeah, he a dog, but I'm a dog, too. So. Right. There you go. And my mindset is like, your pit versus my pit. We just gonna see who wins. Yeah, I feel that. You, you've had, you've almost had your hands on a couple picks. Yeah. Do they? Uh, do your teammates get on you about that? Like, oh, oh buddy, yeah. could have had that one. <laughs> always, always. But I just believe, and like, just keep stacking. Like, don't let the drop picks mess with you. Like, mm-hmm. when I turn on the tape, I want this game, this AZ game, to look better than the Giants game. Yeah. That's just my thought process. So. Other uh, positions that you played, like in high school or other sports, uh, are you a well-rounded athlete or just a football guy? So I like I played basketball, but I quit the basketball team because I was like, I'm not going to the NBA. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But uh, I always play corner. I don't trust quarterbacks, so I don't play receiver. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't like quarterbacks? No, nah, because you, you throw the ball across the middle, like I'm getting hit, not you. Yeah, yeah you want to be doing the hitting. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. You and I quit basketball for the same reason. Both yeah. of us just honest about not going to the NBA. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that honesty we just have. Uh, he is Michael Jackson. And, Michael, we are happy that you have a chance to apply a lot of what you've learned from these stars and a chance to be a star yourself. You've been so wonderful for 
for Seattle, and good luck against Arizona. Thank you. All right. He is cornerback Michael Jackson. We're going to be joined in just one moment by another young defensive back, Joey Blunt, uh, going to join us to uh, talk a little bit about this Arizona Cardinals team. And uh, we uh, are going to have uh, Joey coming in here. Let's see if he's ready. So I'm going to give him like 30 seconds to get his headset on. But uh, he's been huge on special teams and uh, has been a big part of what this defense has been able to do as well. So we're going to hear from Joey right now. Joey, uh, you seem we were just talking bump brought this up with uh, your teammate Michael Jackson but um, I'm going to say the same for Joey's true as well and this is based on a lot of what the takeaways Michael had from watching your tape too during our show you are just really physical out there I mean do you embrace that part of your game absolutely um, I try to be fast and physical as I'm on the field just a so dominant person that I am trying to be all over the field as best as I can be not with that smile on your face. Look I at know, you seem so you're friendly. You're too nice of a young man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I like to get all the credit to my mom. She raised me right. I like to say There so you go. Hey, you a smile uh, on my face. There you go, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, that's a perfect football player to me. You're nasty on the field once you step in there. Ton of special team tackles, man. I mean, that's it's pretty hard to to get a lot of special team tackles. I think you had three when we were down in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And um, what's your total up to now? I think so, about five, five and a half or something like that. Yeah, that, sweet. You got you got to love that, man. I mean, it, uh, what's your favorite position as far as uh, coverage? Coverage wise, I mean, do you like going teams. down on? Are you the headhunter on the punt? Yeah, I'm yeah. a gunner on punt, um, on kickoff from everywhere. So, really, luckily here that Coach Izzo lets me just play with my speed. So wherever I can just run fast and let people play off of me, yeah. that's the best position for me. Where. And I don't necessarily have to think as much and just go get the ball. <laughs> yeah. So anywhere on the field really is my, my favorite position. Every time we get an undrafted free agent, I got to show love. I was an undrafted free agent. Eighth round. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't understand the stress. So when I see, you know, they talk about this rookie class and, you know, you hear Boye, you hear Abe and all this stuff. And I go, don't forget Joey Blunt, man. 3-5 uh, is out there making plays. When uh, when you got the call that you were going to be on the 53, man, what was that that feeling like, and who was your first call? It was indescribable. Um, you know, that whole process, training camp was great, but after the last preseason game, you know, I'm a rookie. I'm, I would say I'm a little naive to the whole business-esque of the NFL, so you're seeing guys come in the training room, medicals, they're, you know, they're signing out, saying goodbyes. I'm just sitting in my locker waiting, and I don't know if I'm going to get a call. I got friends of mine, rookies that are getting calls. So I'm just looking for a numbers game. And I saw a couple of safeties get called in and it made it more clear for me, more transparent that I had opportunity. Like there's a chance, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it was like Tuesday, like two o'clock or one o'clock is like the end. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a call. We had to be in a team meeting. I'm in a team meeting. I'm just sitting there looking around and the room was thin, yep. ghost town. Sitting in the like, second row, Coach Carroll's talking about this is, the, this is the 53. Let's go. I was just sitting there just smiling. Just, <laughs> like, I, I can't even put in the words now. Like I still, there'll be days where I'll be in my apartment talking to my mom and dad on the phone. I'll just have a realization like I'm living out my dream right now. Like this is crazy. Um, and just the journey it took to get here, as you probably understand, is eighth rounder. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy and definitely takes a lot of determination perseverance and just a commitment to 
not only the game, but to yourself. That, like, you're going to have that drive and make it happen. Almost like you got to bet on yourself. That's yeah. all this game is, bet yeah. on yourself every point of the way. Sure. So when you were sitting there, like, were you, like, looking over your shoulder? Yeah. Or going, like, I'd be looking at, like, okay, who just got cut? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. Was, I was, you know, I was looking at who got cut, where am I going to fit, but. Yeah. So Pete gets up there and goes, this is the 53. Absolutely. That's how you oh, found out? God. That's how I found out, you know, a couple minutes before, like, 10 minutes before the deadline, people were like, congratulations, man, like, dapping me up. And I'm like, don't say anything yet. Like, <laughs> don't jinx it. Please don't jinx it. Like, I always like to have the underdog mentality, so I don't ever like to, um get too high on my horse. I always like to be, you know, low, low, cool, calm and collected. And I had guys were telling me that there were people that made 53 then the next day got waved off of it. Yeah. So you're nervous. So I'm like, I'm going to have to give it a week before I celebrate, you know, <laughs> I definitely call my mom and dad first. You yeah. know, they're my partners in crime. Help yeah. me get here every step of the way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, it's a tough business. I think you can feel pretty good that you it's a couple weeks in and yeah. you're doing a great job for this team, particularly on special teams and yeah. Bump's been shouting you out on the show. We yeah. just talked about you this oh, week. People loving yeah. it. So um I mean we we only have a little bit of your time, but we appreciate you taking it. You got a busy day. You guys just wrapped up practice. You gotta go prep for the Cardinals. Big divisional game this mm-hmm. weekend. Good luck, Joey. I appreciate it. Thanks for the Thanks, time. Joey. All right, you guys, do not go anywhere. We're gonna take a quick listen to Geno Smith and then go in the trenches with Ray Roberts. This is the huddle. You are listening to the huddle. Let's go hear from Geno Smith at the podium. Geno, what does it mean to you to hear your NFC player of the month? Uh, well, on behalf of uh, myself, Shane Waldron, the offensive line, our offense, um, um, you know, I'll gladly accept that. Um, you know, it just means we've been playing well as an offense. Um, and, you know, we got to continue that. We got to keep it going. Said after the game, I think it was the Chargers game. You talked about you know the rookie class and just how they hit every pick. To see two rookies named Rookie of the Month, what is that like? That's outstanding. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen that before, and uh, you know it means that we've drafted well. Obviously, I think that's been the history here, but also um, the coaching speaks volumes to the coaching, getting those guys ready to play, and then to the individual for going out there and making the plays and um, taking the coaching and you know putting all those those things to use, and so. Um, you know, we got a lot of really good rookies, and they're contributing. All of them are uh, in different ways, and uh, you know, it's really fascinating to see. What have you learned as the season's gone along, in particular about Kenneth and just who he is and what type of player he is? Yeah, as as the season's going along, um, I'm learning that Kenneth uh, Walker is just a, a tremendous player, but also a tremendous human being. Uh, he studies hard, works hard. You know, he wants to be coached. He asks the right questions. Uh, and and I, I think his career is going to continue to just continue to blow up. And uh, the sky's the limit for him. Um, he's got all the athletic ability. Uh, he's tough. Uh, he can run between the tackles, get outside the tackles, make guys miss. And he's also a really good uh, pass catcher and in protection. And so uh, he's going to continue to grow and get better, which is, I think, scary because he's already pretty good. Statistically, Arizona held your offense down a little bit compared to some other games last time. But what, I guess looking back on that game, what did they do in that game that you yeah, I think, uh, you know, thinking about that game, um, they presented us with a bunch of different, you know, fronts and different uh, situational challenges. Uh, you know, I can remember being down in the red zone, and obviously it was, you know, right before the half, and so they were backed up, you know, really pretty much playing the goal line, but uh, we, we didn't do great in the red zone uh, in that game, and so that's something we got to improve on. Uh, really throughout the in- entire season, we haven't, you know, been that great in the red zone, and so we just got to keep getting better in the red zone and really finishing drives, uh, finishing drives with touchdowns, not settling for field goals, and uh, also doing really good on third down. 
You know, you're getting a lot of attention for potentially an NFL comeback player of the year. Do you feel like you're coming back from anything? What do you feel like you're coming back from? If you're... Uh, I just think it's me having a chance to play now. Um, you know, all, uh, the attention and all that stuff, I'm not really feeling it. Uh, I've just been focused on what I'm doing inside this building. But uh, I think it's more so just people seeing me play. Uh, I haven't played in a, a bunch of t years, and uh, aside from preseason, and um, you know, I think people are now getting a chance to see me play in this offense with these type of players. And I think it's more so just all of us doing well, uh, more than just myself. When those, go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I, you obviously have just a one-year contract and all that. This, do you ever think about this season and kind of you know what the future holds and what it might mean for you beyond this year? Uh, I don't really live my life like that. Um, you know, I'm always focused on what I got to do today and tomorrow. Uh, you know, those things will come. Time will tell. You know, time will tell with all that. But uh, for me, I just got to stay focused on what I'm doing in here, and that's working hard and leading this team and, uh, you know, going out there and, and competing to get wins. In the seven years you weren't regularly playing, what kept your azimuth focused? What what had you on the path for seven years? Uh, I mean, being in the NFL, <laughs> it's a... You know, it's a day to you know day to day thing, man. You got to be on it every single day. Um, a lot of people wish they're in this position, and uh, you know, I'm grateful to have worked myself into this position. Um, also, knowing who I am, um, I'm very set in who I am. I know exactly who I am and what I can do, and so I've never uh, bought into the narratives that've been out there. I didn't just get this good over you know the course of one off season. So, um, you know, I think that's mostly a narrative, and a lot of this stuff is media driven. But when it comes down to me. Um, People where I'm from know who I'm West Virginia, I just got inducted into the College Hall of Fame. Um, so people in college football know who I am. New York Jets as well, Giants, Chargers, and, and Seattle. So, um, you know, people have continued to let me know that you just stay work, keep working hard, and, you know, things will happen for you. And so that's what I did. You know, how much your relationship with Pete? Has it changed when you first got here, or has it just been... Uh, my relationship with with Pete has been the same, which is which is awesome. Um, he's always been the same guy. I think Pete does a tremendous job at coaching every guy on the team. He has a relationship with every single guy, no matter who it is. Every guy in the building, really. And uh, I think that's what makes him such a special coach is that he he knows the importance, you know, of, of relationships, and uh, he makes sure that you know you feel seen, you feel felt and heard, and uh, that's the sign of a great leader. What does this tell you about Will Disley's? Fifth-year starter, got a pretty good contract this last offseason, and he's out there on punt coverage running down. Yeah. Of course, what does that say about him? You know, I think Will's one of the, uh, you know, I don't know if this is the right word, but unsung heroes of the team. Um, just the things that he does from a leadership standpoint to the way that he blocks in the run game. Uh, he's, he's very unselfish, willing to pass protect as well. And then, um, obviously, when he goes out there as a receiver, he's, you know, he can make all the, uh, run all the routes, make all the catches, and, and present matchups uh, that are favorable for our offense. And so to see him run down on kickoff and, and punt and you know, be a part of the special teams, that's who he is. That's who he is. That's what he does. Uh, he's a team first guy. And he's a leader, and uh, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. All right, and that was the latest from Geno Smith speaking with reporters at the podium. The Seahawks offensive line will have their biggest test of the season against the Arizona Cardinals. Why? Let's ask Ray Roberts. He joins us next. The huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. And, Ray, the Seahawks offensive line is in for a challenge against the Arizona Cardinals. As Bump noted earlier this week, they like to blitz more than almost any other team. So what does that mean for the offensive line? 
Yeah, you know, Stacey, good to, good to hear from you guys and glad I'm on the show today. But, um, yeah, I would think that, like, a couple years ago, it was the uh, Cardinals who first started this double A-gap blitz look against the Seahawks. And then they had a bunch of success with it. And then a bunch of teams afterwards followed in that footstep and created some issues for the offensive line. And that's what they did uh, in the first game against the against the Seahawks um, this year. They put a bunch of guys around the line of scrimmage. You have a bunch of young dude, dudes playing, so communication became key. I think they had like five sacks, um, and they ran some really cool, intricate games uh, along the offensive line that made it really hard to uh, to adjust to the to the unblocked rusher. So I think you're probably going to see a, a lot more of that because of the way Geno has been throwing the ball, and they want to get pressure on the quarterback and not allow him to do that. So it's going to be important that the communication is on point because they're going to put, you know, they're going to have their four down linemen and two linebackers in the, in the a gaps and maybe even a, a defender coming off, uh, off the slot or something. And you're going to have to really be able to communicate all of that stuff up and down the line of scrimmage to, to, to uh, protect um, uh, Gino and give him time to throw. Big Ray, I went back and looked at, we were talking about D line and the defense and things like that. And you had said, in the New Orleans game, Detroit game, the D-line was playing off the ball. And mm-hmm. sure enough, of course you were right. But um, hey, the well, other thing, you. yeah, but I mean, the thing is, I think the reason why that was is because they were trying to read blocks. So, yep. you know, and I, that's where kind of we put two and two together, you and I, and came up with five probably. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think that that's been the difference. You know, these guys are just teeing off the D-line, teeing off against uh, opposing offensive lines, and they're not, like, catching any blocks or reading any blocks. It's just very – I mean, and they're using – like, you know, I was saying earlier, Puna Ford's kind of a slasher. Like he, he can get yeah. upfield, and so they're they're really disrupting uh, the D line, really disrupting opposing uh, offenses. And I feel like it's going to be even. Uh, you know, uh, the trend's going to continue. Uh, it'll be the fourth week where they really shut down the run. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Puna Ford is the perfect example to use. Uh, because, uh, man, up until a couple of weeks ago, man, he just wasn't showing up in any form or fashion on the stat book. And he was, you know, getting driven off the ball a lot. And so now when you watch, and, his, you know, he has one of the quicker first steps in the league for a guy his size. And so now when you watch him play, he's attacking the gap. He's attacking the line of scrimmage. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, he has a couple sacks now. If you look at the whole defensive line across the front there, everyone is getting involved in the in the sack game. Jefferson has a couple sacks. Uh, uh, Al Woods have a couple sacks. Adams has a sack. Puna has a couple sacks. And then also the, the outside guys with Mafe and Daryl Taylor and, and uh, uh, Nuosu. But this week is going to be interesting because uh, Tyler, Tyler Murray did get loose for 100 yards rushing in that first game. And if they have um, – James Conner back and he gives you another 60 or 70 yards and you have DeAndre Hopkins, it can be a test for the defense. So it's going to be important for them to remain aggressive, but remain disciplined to their rush lanes because he's the type of dude who can, can exploit uh, those gaps and make yards. And then all of a sudden you have a third and, you know, medium to long and he converts it with his legs. So it's going to be important for them to, to duplicate what they've been doing in the last few weeks, but also have some control in how they rush the quarterback. Big Ray, if you are an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals and you're getting ready to play the Seahawks, what are the conversations like with your fellow linemen about how this D-line plays and how this D this defense likes to attack? 
Yeah, I, I think the if I was if if I was preparing for this for this uh, team, I think as an individual player, you're whether you're the center guard tackle, there's so many different bodies that they can throw at you. That would be my biggest concern. So you could be pass, I could be pass blocking Daryl Taylor or Nuosu or Mafe or or uh, Bruce Irving or you know whoever else they want to put out there, and then as a defensive as an interior guy. You could be going against Al Woods, Monet, Adams, Puna Ford, uh, Quentin Jefferson. So all of these dudes bring something different to the game. So my focus would be really focusing on those individual players because that becomes a headache when you have to kind of change up your game plan within the game. The other thing, though, is just they're just a lot more aggressive on defense. They're playing more downhill. So you have to be prepared for a more physical game than the one they played the first time. Tariq Woolen, NFC Defensive Rookie of the Month. Ken Walker, NFC Offensive Rookie of the Month and NFC Player of the Month goes to Geno Smith. Really awesome near sweep for the Seattle Seahawks in the monthly awards. Why is it so important that these three guys, but also just that young guys or maybe unexpected guys are contributing to success this year? Well, because I think it speaks to uh, the game plan that Pete and John put together, the trust that they have in those players and the foundation that you're building, there's nothing better than when you're trying to build a foundation and you're winning at the same time. A lot of times when teams are building their foundation, they're going through losing seasons, but they're trying to add all the different pieces and make sure they have the the right people in the right places and they have good players, but they haven't like put it all together yet to then start winning football games. And so the Seahawks have kind of hit the, the magic button where they have all of these rookies playing major roles, supporting roles, a quarterback who hasn't been a, the, the full season starter in years. And they're all playing like, you know, like they're in the prime of their careers. And so that's really hard to accomplish on in any sport doing anything when you're trying to build the foundation for things. But it's important for these guys to, to be acknowledged about what they're contributing, but to also keep it in perspective. And I think that's why Gino is such a big part of this. That's why, um, Tyler Lockett is a big part of it because they they help real people back in. Because when I was looking at that this morning, I'm just like, man, I hope hope people aren't reading their own press clippings because that those as great <laughs> as those awards are and stuff and recognition is sometimes, man, it can cause you just to kind of back off just a little bit. And when you do that, that's when things can start yeah. to fall apart again. So hopefully they're giving you know, high fiving each other, or giving you know Pete does whatever he does if they make announcements or whatever, then they're moving on to the next play, the next practice. All right, Big Ray, we got about 30 seconds, but when you look at the rest of the schedule, I, I mean, there's a couple tough – to me, I think San Francisco is really good. I, I don't think that their record reflects mm-hmm. how good they are. It's going to be tough to win in Kansas City, but uh, what do you think, man? I mean, it, it. I feel like they can play with pretty much anybody. Yeah, that's the way I feel too, and my son Price the other day broke down the whole – schedule for me and he pretty much came up with the Seahawks will be playing for the for the uh division title against uh the Rams at home in the last game of the season so and that was with him that was with him thinking that we're going to lose to the Giants 
And so I'm like, man, you think we're going to lose to both the New York teams? Like, man, I don't think that's going to happen. So they're ahead of his schedule, so which that makes me feel good about it. So I feel good about what they're doing. <laughs> Thank you, Price. <laughs> All right. He is Ray Roberts, takes us in the trenches for some Seahawks analysis every single Thursday for the huddle. But you can hear Ray again, his analysis of this team this Sunday on pre and post. He'll be with Michael Bumpus on coverage there. So get up early, tune in, get ready for this game against the Cardinals. He is Ray Roberts. Thanks so much, Ray. See you, right. Yes, ma'am. Peace. All right. We are talking to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. He joins us next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joining us now, Steve Rabel, the voice of the Seahawks and Rabes. I got to say, yes, there was a lot of really great stuff to come from this in terms of the final box score, but one of my favorite moments might have been Pete and Gino comforting Tyler Lockett on the sideline, Tyler Lockett bouncing back with a touchdown. What was it like to, to see that entire night unfold for him, and what does it tell you about this team? Well, it, it certainly tells me something I think I already knew about Tyler Lockett, and that is, you know, you're not going to keep a guy like him down for very long. Uh, and, you know, there was nobody on the field that felt worse about it than Tyler, although if you'd watched, you'd have seen almost everybody on the team, including Coach Carroll, go up to him afterwards and say, hey, forget about it, don't worry about it. And what Dave and I were talking about in the booth it was pretty much what Pete said, hey, uh, you know, we're, you're going to get you're going to get yours. Hang in there. We're going to need you to score a touchdown for us. And sure enough, they came back in what the next series, I guess, and, mm -hmm. and did it. So, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett might be the last person on this on this football team that I'm that I'm worried about either getting down or not making plays. I mean, that's just not in his DNA. Hey, Rabs, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Big Ray. I don't know if you've done this, but because we, we take them one at a time, usually. Um, mm -hmm. And as a football, I love asking the football players, by the way, or the guys on the team, you know, who do you play? Who do you play next week? They never know because that's mm -hmm. just the mentality. But I don't know if you've taken a look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, at Kansas City on Christmas Eve, probably be tough. Um, I think the Niners, even though you have them at home, I think the 49ers have a really good roster. That's, yep. that's a tough one, but... I don't know if you allowed yourself to kind of go and say, win this one, lose this one. It, it looks pretty favorable to me, the way they're well, playing yeah. right now anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I, I haven't really taken much of a look. I just know that we're in Arizona and then we're in Germany. Uh, and then we come home and recuperate. Uh, that, that much is what I know. Um, and I know we, we also have down the stretch, we have, uh, you know, obviously they generally schedule it this way, that, that the bulk of your NFC West games are going to be coming down that stretch. So that's going to be really important. Uh, but, you know, again, to get out uh, to the start that, uh, that this team is now at five and three, and, and like we've talked about, nobody thought they'd be here except for Pete and the team. They believed they could be here. Now they're playing like it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, there could be all kinds of great things down the, down the road a ways. Uh, some big wins. Uh, we're going to have to win on the road for a few of those. It'll be fun to go into Kansas City on Christmas Eve. That's going to be a, that's going to be just crazy there. But um, yeah, I, I don't put anything past this team now, Dave. And for the way they've improved, especially on defense, uh, I think uh, the sky's the limit. 
Hey, uh, Rabes, your buddy here tried to bait me into sounding like a diva receiver and making it sound he like did. receivers can just win a game. Well, uh, that's because I'm with Rabel. So, He's a diva. You're a diva. <laughs> so, well, okay, so so I can't uh, – and there's nothing to, uh, to uh, disagree with there. What else? Ra- Rabel a diva for different reasons other than being a wide receiver. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the same question he asked me. Um, obviously, D. Hopkins is back. How can he affect this game? I don't think one man can win a game. I don't think you feel that way either. But uh, how different is this team with DeAndre Hopkins? Well, he's he's terrific. I mean, you, you listen to Pete, and Pete spoke as glowingly about Hopkins at the wide receiver spot as he did uh, Saquon Barkley uh, as a running back last week against the Giants. Everybody in this league, just about, unless they've got a lot of people hurt, have – a star or two. I mean, a guy who is a difference maker, a guy that in the, in the team meeting rooms and in the offices of the coaches late at night, they're figuring out ways. How do we account for this guy? And they're doing the same thing with, with Hopkins. What, what do we do? Uh, One of the things that, and I wish I could take credit for it, but I I certainly can't, but has been pointed out now is that the, the, in the last couple of weeks, the Cardinals offense has run much more through Hopkins partially because he's back after his suspension, but partly because he's, he's such a, a great asset, such a great receiver, and they don't have as many weapons as maybe they used to have. Connor's been out for a, a number of weeks. Don't know if he's going to play this week or not. But Hopkins, I mean, you know, the short, quick pass to the sidelines, the deep pass down the sideline, you can't get beat over the top this week because you know that the Cardinals are going to go that direction if they can uh, at least a few times with Hopkins, and they've got a, they've got a lot of speed, but he's just something special. You got to figure out some ways to make sure he doesn't beat you. What's the challenge of facing a team with such a short turnaround? They obviously have already seen this team, and this is the second meeting. Yeah, I think one of the toughest things is what Pete talked about uh, on Wednesday. <clears throat> excuse me, and that is, um, you know, just letting the players know that hey, just because we played them once, just because we beat them don't think that we know these guys uh, inside and out. Yeah, we know them better than we know some of the other teams will play this season, but we have to prepare just the same way. And so I think that that's what they're doing there. They'll just go right back to square one. All right, here are all the things that they did do. The, the Cardinals did the first time. Here's what worked for us. Here are some things we need to work on. I mean, we, we gave up five sacks in that game. Now we sacked Murray six times. A lot of, a couple of them were down the stretch as they were trying to catch up. But, you know, there's some things that you got to fix, and you want to do some things differently as well. You don't want to go back in with the same game plan because mm-hmm. they've seen all that now, and the Cardinals are going to do the same thing. All right, Rabes, what, uh, who's somebody that bothers you on that roster? I, you know, I'm looking at, um, you know, J.J. Watt, obviously, and I don't think he had a sack against, uh, against the guys uh, or against the team last, last time they played. Uh, but, you, you know, when you look at you got like Marcus Golden. I think we were talking about that during the break when we were playing uh, the, the Cardinals. That Remember, they came up here in 2019 and had like 12 quarterback hits. And Marcus mm-hmm. Golden had a couple sacks. And so, uh, but, you know, anybody on this, uh, you know, is it Kyler Murray? Is it J.J. Watt? Is it one, one player on this roster that you've been looking through this week that uh, concerns you? Well, I don't know if there's if there's one player or not. You know, Buda Baker's always a difference maker because he can make plays all over the field, yeah. deep in the secondary, and then he can come up and, and knock the ball loose from a running back near the line of scrimmage. He's just that good. Uh, I'm also um, kind of impressed with these two inside backers uh, for Arizona, you know, Collins and Simmons. They're yeah. both fast. They can both run. Collins is a big guy. He looks like a big outside linebacker, but they can all run, and – what that tells you is in, in zone coverages, which 
let's let's remember now this is the Arizona Cardinals. They don't play anything twice in a row defensively, and they'll put nine guys at the line of scrimmage and then drop out five of them and challenge you to figure out who's going to rush. And and that is one of the things that causes some some uh, you know slow thinking on the parts of of guys up front just having to make a decision. But these guys are good dropping into the middle of the field. So you really want to be careful. We love to, obviously, we love to throw to the tight ends. Um, we love slant routes with Geno, uh, but you just want to really be careful. With these two guys in the middle of the field, they can cause problems. And, and they, can, they can rush. They can blitz. And they'll get home. So that whole linebacking core, Golden, Gardeck, Colin Simmons, they're all pretty, pretty darn good, I say. Yeah. Raze, I'm glad you mentioned that that look because we saw that look in the box where it looks like they're blitzing everybody. They'll drop two, they'll drop one, they'll send the other ones. We saw that give Russell Wilson some trouble, man. Like he, he really just couldn't figure it out. If Geno is able to handle that, what does that say about his preparation and about how he can handle pressure? Well, you know, obviously making no comparisons, but uh, I think you just have to be true to what you guys practice all week as the offense. And that is you come up to the line of scrimmage and they start to load up the line. And if it's, uh, if it's Austin Blythe, who's there to, to supposed to make the call up front as to, okay, let's designate the middle linebacker. So now we know which way our count goes either to the right or to the left, as far as our, our, our uh, protection is concerned. And then that also will tell the running back, okay, which way do I have to go? If these guys are all going to, you know, block to the left and I have to be looking to the right side to see if anybody's coming off the edge untouched, everybody's got to be on the same page. And, you know, I credit Shane Waldron and the offensive coaches for having these guys led by Geno seemingly on the same page more times than not. And uh, this is always a test when, when you get these kinds of defenses, because some, sometimes a guy's just going to break free. I mean, and these are good athletes on top of, uh, on top of the system that they use, but you know, don't, don't be nervous about it. You can't, you can't lose any sleep over it. You just have to be prepared. And I think these guys will be. All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You can hear him on the call alongside Dave Wyman this Sunday when the Seahawks take on the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix. Rabes, thanks so much. Stacey, thank you. Thank you, guys. That's right. All right, coming up next, we are taking a step across enemy lines with someone who knows the Cardinals well. So what does it mean to get Hopkins back? Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross joining us right now for an opponent preview looking at the Arizona Cardinals with Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic. And, Kent, we've already seen this team once this year, but things are different now. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. How's it been integrating him back into the offense? Yeah, he's he's looked great. He's been uh, one of the few bright spots um, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, even in losses like last week, he makes a you know a sensational one-handed grab for a touchdown against the Vikings and gives them a little bit of hope offensively. You know, I think Cardinal fans and and all of us were excited to see him paired with Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown at the receiver spots, but then Brown was hurt uh, in the Seattle game. So we're not going to see that for a few more weeks. So it's still an offense that's really struggling. Kent, have you seen a difference in the play calling or is it just find D. Hopkins, throw him the football and, and let him make a play? Um, they, they have, uh, they are starting to use him differently uh, than they have uh, in the past under Cliff Kingsbury. There was a time, you know, a year ago, two years ago, where they just put him on the left side of the formation and left him there. Rarely put him in motion, rarely put him in slot in the slot. And that's that's changed a lot. They're they're moving him around, trying to get matchups. 
et cetera. Um, He does give him a little bit more of a vertical passing game. I mean, he's not, he's not a a burner speed wise, but you know, he can make the contested catch and, and that's something this offense desperately, desperately needs. I mean, I think they've maybe had two pass plays over 30 yards uh, all season. and, And one of those was a catch and run last week by Rondale Moore. So that's an element of the offense that they really need to get to um, if they're going to pull themselves out of this. Hey, kind of sticking on that thread, it's not necessarily what I would expect given, you know, what this offense was supposed to be, obviously, when Kingsbury got there. And I know that for a lot of folks there, he's kind of underwhelmed at times. But um, is that more the product of not having Hopkins uh, or is that that the play calling is surprisingly conservative? It's been it's been play calling. It's been offensive dysfunction uh, overall. Um, they've continually uh, are late getting to the line of scrimmage. They've had trouble getting plays off on time. We saw that in the Seattle game, you know, where they moved the ball at times, but just uh, continually got in their own way. Um, you know, not that the Seahawks didn't play well defensively that day. They they did, but the Cardinals really uh, were their worst enemies. Um, Last week, um, they they have so many guys out on offense right now. Five starters. Cliff Kingsbury decided to to start huddling up because he thought it would cut down on the confusion. And and Kyler Murray wore a wristband with the plays, you know, for the first time in his career. And he joked yesterday it was a big ass wristband that took up half his arm. I mean, he's he's not a fan of it, but even though they were doing all that, they still had trouble getting plays off on time. And, and, you know, and that falls upon the head coach and and the quarterback and, you know, the, just the, the, the simplest stuff they've had a hard time getting right. What were your thoughts on the, the trade deadline? Did you feel like they did enough? Didn't do anything? Um, just your overall feel. Cause over here, we didn't make any, any real moves. What are your thoughts on, on your approach over there? Yeah, I you know if they were going to do anything, in my opinion, they should have been sellers and and you know and not go out and try and make a big splash and 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 bring somebody in. I mean they're they're three and five. They've yet to show any indication that they can make a move and be a playoff contender. So I don't know if it made sense for them to uh, go out and and give up a lot for say a Bradley Chubb, um, you know, who would fill a real need for this team. They they don't have that elite pass rusher really outside of J.J. Watt. But, you know, to be a seller, they probably would have had to trade uh, someone like J.J. Watt. Um, they, and they just weren't in in the mode to do that. And I think Steve Kime looks at it, their general manager, and said, you know, our big moves came earlier. We traded for Hollywood Brown on um, during the draft. You know, we traded for Rodney Hudson, our center, um, you know, a year and a half ago. We've traded for DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. So I I think that's sort of the mode um, they were in and, and they're really hoping, I mean, they think they they've underachieved. They think they've got the talent to be better um, than three and five. And, you know, we're going to find that out over the next three weeks. They've got starting this Sunday consecutive games against uh, NFC West team. So, you know, three weeks from now, I think they're, they're either going to be back in in it or completely out of it. They almost got back into it against a tough uh, Vikings team. And I know that three wins isn't where this fan base wants to be in Arizona, but I mean, it's still three wins. So when things are working well, what's good for this team? When they were playing uh, uh, really well, their, their, their defense has been very good, surprisingly good. I, I thought, you know, their, 
their defense would struggle uh, this season while the offense carried them, but it's been um, just the opposite. It's been a, a really good group, especially for a while in terms of, you know, holding teams to field goals and not letting them in the end zone uh, once they get in the red zone. That's changed the last couple of weeks. They've given up 34 points in each of the last two games. Um, but that that's, that's been a strength at, at times offensively they look like a functional especially when they're able to get Kyler Murray out and running in my opinion they don't do that often enough they game plan for it in Seattle and and he broke a big run early you know and they they got stymied and had to kick a field goal so they're they're a much better team when when Kyler's taking off and running on on some design things not all I mean I'm not saying that he should run you know you know, double digit times a game, but I, I think, you know, six to eight designed runs make a lot of sense for, for where this offense is right now. What's the, uh, the update on the running back situation. The last time we saw you guys, there were some injuries that sounds like it still might be uh, the same deal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. James Connor is, is still struggling. I think he'll be listed as questionable. They felt like he was getting close last week to uh, coming back, and now Darrell Williams has been placed on injured reserve. He's the backup. Um, Eno Benjamin uh, has been very good uh, in the starting role. Uh, he's he's uh, you know he's got some explosiveness. He can catch the ball. Rookie Keontae Ingram has flashed um, here and there, but you know as I mentioned, they're they're down three offensive linemen. They're down Connor. They're down Hollywood Brown. It's and 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 they're just not you know, they just don't look like they're coached very well right now, you know, and it's at a point where Cliff Kingsbury's got to give this team something to get them over the hump if he's, if he's capable of it. Um, so that's sort of where they are offensively. They, they look good in, at, at times. And then, uh, you know, the next possession, they'll look absolutely horrible and struggle to even get a playoff. Hey, we know that um, J.J. Watt is leading the team in sacks, and obviously up here in Seattle, we're well familiar with Buda Baker, but are there any um, young players on this defense that could catch our eye against the offense this Sunday? Yeah, they're, uh, uh, they're two young linebackers. Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons have played very well. Uh, Collins is in all the time. He calls the defense. Um, Isaiah Simmons is, has made big plays in, in three uh games this year you know i mean game changing plays he's he's incredibly fast he's rangy they use him all over the field he'll he'll be inside linebacker he'll be lined up as sort of a safety he'll be a slot cornerback so he's he's been coming on they've been happy with his progress they've they've got a defensive end zach allen who's not a young guy he's in his fourth season but has really developed into a uh a solid player for him so um, defensively, that's what they have going for them. La- last week, uh, Rondell Moore, their receiver, um, in his second year, you know, slipped the tackle, went for a touchdown, showed the speed and elusiveness we we've heard about since the Cardinals drafted him uh, out of Purdue two years ago. So, you know, they do a, they do a lot of things to try and get him the ball, uh, Rondell Moore, but you know, uh, wide receiver screens, fly sweeps, etc. But you know, that was really the first time we saw him you know, really break a big play and, and, and use that speed and quickness that we've heard about. All right. Here's Ken Summers of the Arizona Republic joining us on the huddle for an opponent preview. And Kent, we appreciate your insight. Uh, I know that it's been a disappointing start for the Arizona Cardinals, but these NFC West teams always play each other so tough. So should be a good one this Sunday. 
Yeah, it should. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Kent Summers with an opponent preview. Kind enough to join us on The Huddle. Next up, John Boyle for some final thoughts. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost. And joining us now, John Boyle. He covers the Seahawks for the Seahawks, so he's got some really awesome team insight. And we turn to him to close out every single episode of The Huddle. John, uh, I'm going to start with what this team did so well against New York. I was shocked floored that they limited the Giants to 80 yards or less on the ground. Fewest rushing yards in a game from New York this year. What have they done to just shore up that run game, which was pretty dreadful to start the year? Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot of things a lot better. We've heard a lot of talk about the things they've changed up front, letting guys be a little more aggressively, less read and react stuff. And then guys on the back end are cleaning stuff up. You know, I brought this up earlier, but one play that really jumped out at me, there was a play that they did block well and Barkley got out in space and Diggs comes flying in, Mm -hmm. tackles him for like a nine-yard gain. I feel like for five, six weeks or, you know, four or five weeks of season, that's a 50-yard play instead. It's a nine-yard play. You stop them four plays later and they punt. So just a lot of things, everybody doing their job better out there. I think last time we talked, uh, the the one area that we all were concerned about was special teams. Yeah. And then you get special team player of the week and Will Disley, who very unlikely uh, – character to get uh, to get that but he did yeah. a great job and then you know we had joey blunt in here and that's starting to turn around a little bit yeah i mean you go back and look even earlier in the year they if you look at over the course of an entire game they did most of the special teams plays really well they were doing covering things well doing a lot of things well but the problem is the mistakes were disasters right. it wasn't mm-hmm. like oh we missed a tackle and the guy got a 10-yard return it was we just gave up a touchdown because we got hit in the end zone kind of thing so you know, it doesn't surprise me that suddenly they're playing well on special teams because I think overall they're really good in that area, but they just were making some very costly mistakes. You covered this team for a while. Have you seen a week where you've had this many accolades recognized? You got Will Disney, Tariq, you got Ken Walker, and Gino all getting some love at once. Yeah, time. no, I have not. And I mean, to that point, it's never been done in terms of the two rookies of the month. That uh, we went and looked this up. The award goes back to 1996, and no team has ever had teammates win rookie of the month. So, you know, all this recognition is awesome. You know, going back to Disley, you don't see a lot of. He's a five-year starter who signed a pretty big contract in the offseason. You don't see a lot of guys like that running down the field on punt coverage, right. blowing guys up. So that's really cool. But then, yeah, Geno Smith deserves every accolade he's getting right now. He's just been so awesome. And then the rookies, you know, it's hard to overstate how good that whole class is. I, I pointed this out earlier, but it's like you, you could go look at all the other rookies. You know, you've got starting tackles. You've got a nickel corner. You've got a starting linebacker. You could point to anything they did in October and be like, that's a really good month for a rookie. And that's like... Oh, and you have the two rookies mm-hmm. of the month on top of all that. So just incredible contributions in that class. I wanted to talk about their contributions. We talked about this a bit earlier with Ray Roberts, and we were talking about how important it is. Why is it so important specifically that those young guys contribute? Because I know what I'm thinking, but I'm curious. You know, you've seen so many iterations of this team, including some when young guys didn't or couldn't contribute. So why does it matter so much this year? I mean, for the sake of this particular team playing well, it matters because they're just really good players and yeah. they're coming in. But I think big picture, you can look at like, you're getting back to where it's more competitive and it's kind of just a natural evolution of, and they'll run into this someday probably with Tariq Wollin if he keeps on this path of guys develop into suddenly they're the best player at their position. Yeah. You can go draft a cornerback in the fourth round, but when you have Richard Sherman, like that guy's not going to beat him. Mm-hmm. We all know that he's, you know, a hall of fame talent out there. So it's hard when you have that many established stars, well-paid guys to be as competitive, but that's kind of the benefit of you get younger, you bring in all this new talent and, you know, you open camp with two guys as your starting cornerbacks, some injuries happen, and all of a sudden you have two new starting cornerbacks who are playing awesome. So yeah. just a really competitive situation all over the field there. 
Speaking of Disley, uh, that tight end group is really yeah. awesome. And, you know, I was pointing out Moyer and I and Bump and NASA were, were texting. I think he had. I'm out of the thread. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, I'm out of Moyer's, like, Mariner thread. Like he, <laughs> he won't let me in. But, um, yeah, they already have, I think, 22 targets for Bump. I'm sorry, Bump. Disley. Hey, hey. I, I wish I had. <laughs> Bump's still got it. He's out there catching. Bump's like, I'm ready to suit up ready. now. Game check, please. <laughs> Disley. I, I don't know if he could handle the blocking part of the position. That's, I don't think you're. I believe in you, Bump. I'm going to go out on cut. a limb, Bump, and say. I'm cutting him down. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut you every single time. Uh, but, yeah, so for Disley, 22 targets already. Uh, and I think he had 26 all of last year. And Moyer said that the tight ends are on pace for, like, 115 targets not sure if it'll end there but pretty cool that they're uh, that's something i i feel like i've been wanting for a long time especially disley and i think it really more has to do with him because i was just so shocked how good his hands are yeah i mean that go, going all the way back to his rookie year they talked about you know they they drafted him because he was the best blocking tight end coming out of college right. and then yeah i remember john schneider talking about it. you start watching him catch the ball and he's got these great hands we saw it his rookie year he gets hurt um, I, I do love that this group, you have all three guys contributing so evenly in terms of mm-hmm. you do these 13 personnel, they're all out there, they can all block, they can all catch the ball. And I think that makes it really hard to defend. If you're not a team where you have like, this is our blocking tight end, this is our pass catching guy, and if Jimmy Graham's in the game, you know it's probably going to be thrown to him and he's not blocking. Right. You don't know what these guys, and it was funny, Disley, we talked to him in the locker room yesterday and he made a comment like, yeah, fantasy players probably don't like it. But if you look, because there's not one guy going off each game, but if you look at over the course of the season, what they're projected to do as a group, like that's elite tight end production. It's just spread out over three guys. We're getting some depth back at the corner spot. What have you seen out of Trey Brown, and when should we expect to see him out there? Yeah, I mean, I don't. the win is tough to say. Pete Carroll said, you know, they're ramping him up. He should be pretty much a full go this week. But you also have the luxury of you don't need to rush him. I mean, your starters are both playing really well. You got Artie Burns back healthy. They did let Sidney Jones go this week, but it's still a deep position. I, it's going to be really interesting when he is back to see how that plays out because, you know, Mike Jackson just had his best game last week, and yep. obviously Tariq's not going anywhere. So mm-hmm. Trey Brown's a guy who came in and took over a starting job last year. I don't know if it plays out like last year where, I don't know if you remember, but he was split. He started out split, and he'd come in, play a couple series for, uh, I think it was he replaced Sidney Jones, and then, the playing time increased the next week, and then eventually he took over the starting job. Maybe he gets that opportunity with Mike Jackson, but again, Mike's playing so well, I don't know how you take him off the field. Well, thankfully, he and Tariq Woolen are playing well because they have a big challenge with DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, right? You want to talk about some of the differences between these two teams? That's one of them for Arizona. Well, it's a huge one. I mean, you look at their – I mean, I'm not saying it's just him, but you look at the offense against the Seahawks compared to the next two weeks where they put up huge numbers. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just throwing the ball to Hopkins more. I think he's got 22 catches, over 100 yards in each game. But it's also he's just one of those players that affects the entire defense. You know, the run game gets better when he's on the field because you're playing your coverage is different in the back end and there's lighter boxes, all those things. So, yeah, they they look a lot better on offense. You hope that, you know, except for Sunday, we hope. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and you hope that the Seahawks defense is just better than what they've seen the last couple weeks, which all indications from what we've seen the last three weeks out of the Seahawks defense is that they're one of the best in the NFL now, the way they're playing. Yeah, this is the third time I've asked this on this show, mainly because I'm lazy. And, uh, but also way to have an original question. Because wow, I, way to tee it up. Yeah. yeah I, I, I really feel like putting a lot of effort in this answer now. Hey, really, I'm sorry for asking this. That's a great but... tease, right? Yeah. No, I asked Ray and I asked Rabel. When you look at, have you dared to look ahead at the schedule and and you look around the NFL after you just beat the six and one Giants, you know. 
Philly looks pretty good, but if you look at, yeah, Kansas City's going to be tough. I think the Niners are always tough, but you start looking at after having beat the Giants, and you think they can hang with, with pretty much anybody left on their schedule. Yeah, you know, I'm not looking at the schedule going the, like, win-win-loss game, right. but to your point, all these games that maybe when people weren't sure about this team and weren't sure about Geno Smith that look like, oh, that's going to be tough, that's going to be tough. There's maybe two or three teams in the NFL that look like, okay, that's like a juggernaut elite team. And you've mentioned it's, it's Philly, it's Buffalo, it's Kansas City. And other than that, everybody looks, you know, kind of in a similar boat or worse than what the Seahawks are right now. And you really like their chances against just about yeah. anybody, especially when, you know, you, when you're getting it done in all three phases like they have really for three weeks now, that makes you really tough to beat. All right. We've only got a minute left. I'm going to start with Bump for the answers because it was your turn for a question. So I'll let you go first. Um, let's... Uh, we would normally do keys to the game. Let's do player version. It's not up to one player to win. It's going to need to be an entire team. But a great game from blank might mean a Seahawks win. Shenandoah Wilson. I okay. think uh, right now he is the heartbeat of the intensity of that team. And uh, he's playing at an extremely high level. All right, Get Dave, who needs to be a baller? I'll go with Jordan Brooks. You know, I think he um, – a lot of times when Murray takes off running – I like the way he pinned Saquon Barkley in the backfield, and he's so strong and so fast. I'm, I'm going to go with him. Containing Kyler Murray. All right, John. I'll go Woolen. We just talked about DeAndre Hopkins, and it won't just be up to Woolen. Then he's not going to move around. I'll let you couple him, it with Jackson. Yeah, but just, <laughs> yeah, you know, don't let him go crazy on you, and I think this defense can have a similar performance to last week or I'll, last time they faced off. I'll bounce back, and I'll wrap up with Walker. I think that he has been such a huge part of their success in, in finding the end zone these last couple games, and, and I'll, uh, I'll stick with him. I'll go offense for this one since, like you guys pointed out, rightfully so, the defense is going to be a huge part of this win. On Sunday, let's hope that they get that. He is John Boyd. Oil joins us every single Thursday to wrap up the huddle. Make sure you're prepping for this game by reading John's work on Seahawks.com. He's got great stuff on there and make sure you're following him for some of those injury updates as we near Sunday's kickoff for Dave Wyman, for Michael Bumpus. I am Stacey Ross. This has been the huddle every single Thursday from noon to two, noon to tune. I almost I like stuck it. the landing <laughs> from noon to two. Don't go anywhere.